Please pray, come Holy Spirit with me three times. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, as we gather here today, we ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, especially for the gift of understanding. Please help us comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge that are given to us so that we may know how to love as men and women of the gospel. We make all these prayers in the most holy and sacred name of Jesus, who is Lord and Savior forever and ever. Amen. Three things I want to preach on today is the word maturity. I'd like to look at our bishop's appeal. You all got letters this past week or the week before. And also I want to talk about what the heck's been going on in New York that should also have a lot of us having our jaws dropping at the disgusting laws that have just been passed. So first of all, our first reading. And I want to talk about the word maturity. And our Saint, St. Paul, talks about love, right? And maybe most of us, 99 times out of 100, have gone to a wedding and this is the exact reading you've heard. And he says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love is not pompous, it's not inflated or rude, it does not seek its own interest. And most of us think, that's cute. (laughs) Isn't that cute? And we miss it because in English, a lot of times we say love for a lot of silly things. I love hot dogs and I love the brewers and I love the packers. I love a lot of weird things, right? But really, love isn't cute at all. It's actually Amazing, and it should actually move us to become the men and women that we truly desire to be in the depths of our hearts. That all of us, when we don't become that person, we end up hating ourselves. And we know what love looks like because it's right here on the wall. So look to me, with me, and you see Jesus, John fifteen thirteen. There is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends, and that is what true love is. It is not self-centered; it is other-centered. And it is focused on willing the good of the other. Yet, if we are childish in our maturation or our maturity in the faith, we just focus on ourselves. What does it have to do with me? Why am I not getting anything out of this? But true men and women of the gospel are other-centered, saying, how can I contribute? Because St. Paul even says, you know, if 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 I don't have love, I am nothing. And when there's this caved self, when we're caved in on ourselves, there is strictly no love. Yet Jesus, through St. Paul, speaks to us and he says, love never fails. It endures all things. It hopes all things, right? It doesn't give up. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It actually rejoices in the right thing happening. And he even ends with, and this is what I want to transition into, he says, when I was a child, I used to talk as a child. So maybe think of your day-to-day interactions. How much foul language do you use? How often do you put others down instead of lift them up? The Lord is calling us to maturation because there's nothing more unattractive than somebody who calls them a follower of Jesus, a Christian who acts the complete opposite, right? And he says, when I was a child, I used to think as a child and reason as a child. And a lot of us, our emotional maturity is very low because we spend so much time on our electronics. We don't think things through. We allow other people to think for us. We just go to media. Oh, I saw it on YouTube, so it's got to be good. I looked it up on Google, so it's got to be true. And we go from zero to 60 
instead of thinking, what does that really mean? How can I apply the virtue of prudence, which is to apply right reason to action, to do what a lot of us need to do, which is to take a deep breath, slow down, and think it through. Because there's one person who loves to rush you, and that is the devil. But we just heard love is patient. And Jesus will never force you to do anything you don't, don't want to do, but he'll, he'll always respect your free will. You can do whatever you want. He loves you that much. And then he says, I used to, and then when, but when I became a man, there's a transition of becoming more like that man on the cross. He said, I put aside childish things. And I don't think I need to go through a list of childish things, but some of us, maybe just the word today is, we got to grow up. we got to get our butt in confessional. we got to start repenting of our sins. Actually go to different things the parish is offering to mature and to learn that we're not alone in our suffering. You don't have to be a know-it-all to be a Christian. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to encourage you to become that person deep down that you know you want to be. But if I don't have love, I'm like that resounding gong. And the Lord is calling us to Christian maturation. The next thing I'd like to talk about today is particularly in the men in looking at Christian maturation. I was watching a talk by a gentleman named Dr. Jonathan Reyes. And one thing he did is he talked about boyhood versus manhood. And I think this is so crucial because if we know the statistics Pretty much all of our stuff we do at the parish is going gonna, is gonna to succeed based off of if men actually have some gojones, right? Start growing up in their faith and start leading. Because if, uh, if children only go to church by themselves their whole lives, the chance of them remaining a practicing Christian the rest of their life, the chance of that is 2%. 2%. If the mom brings the kids to church every Sunday, the chance of them being practicing and faithful Christians the rest of their life is 10%. But if the dad leads and shows his children what a Christian man looks like and brings them to church and gets on his knees and prays, the chance of those children being practicing and faithful Christians goes up to 50%. And that's across every single denomination, Catholic, Protestant, and Evangelical. So the numbers speak for themselves. So what does a boy do and what does a man do? Because sometimes we just need to see it black and white. And Jonathan Reyes has this list, and I want to show it. I'm going to read it to you and just maybe do a little bit of an examination of conscience. And for the women here, if you're sitting next to your husband or your son, don't let his ribs get bruised too much from you elbowing him in the side here. A boy looks to have fun, but a man looks to do his duty. A boy is concerned if other people like him, but a man is concerned with gaining respect. A boy seeks comfort, but a man seeks to do the good no matter how difficult. A boy easily forgets his responsibility, but a man, he desires responsibility, says Dr. Jonathan Reyes. A boy is easily discouraged, and a man is not easily turned aside from his purpose. A boy is impressed with show. Look at my car, look at my house, look at my clothes, look at my ATV, look at my snowmobile, look at my newest cell phone. But a man, he cares about character. 
A boy views women as a source of self-indulgence, and a man looks to care for and protect women. A boy looks for another mother in his wife, but a man looks for a woman he can build a life with into the journey of discipleship. A boy looks to be praised, but a man looks to give honor to others. A boy is one who constantly whines and complains. But a man, he doesn't complain, he endures, he thanks and praises God. And a boy, he avoids commitment, and a man treasures commitment. And a boy is governed by his emotions and his mood. Yet a man is governed by truth and knowing what is good, says Dr. Jonathan Reyes. Our opening hymn today, right? They will know we are Christians by our love and true men who are radically in love with Jesus. There's nothing more attractive than that because they are given the grace to admit, I don't have it all figured out. But I know I had a childish life and now I'm becoming a man. And our world is in such need of men stepping up because our world wants to keep men perpetual boys. Making commitments to get married 35, 45 years old when it used to be 19, 20, 21, 22. I'm not pointing fingers if anybody's preparing for marriage or anything like that, but what I'm saying is just look at the numbers. Even in the past 60 years, we've seen 60% less marriages in the church. And who's the one getting on his knee to propose to his future bride? It's the man. Men treasure commitment. The Bishop's Appeal. A lot of people don't know a lot about the Bishop's Appeal, and you receive letters about that, and I just want to quick shed some light on what is the Bishop's Appeal and what does it do and why the heck should I give any money to it? Because as priests, I hate, I hate, I hate it. I don't like asking for your money. It makes me feel weird and icky and gross, so I'm going to go for it here. So the question is, what does my donation go to if I give money? So the Bishop's Appeal is for the people of Diocese of Green Bay. So it doesn't go to New York. It doesn't go to Africa. It's particularly for us. And it goes towards Catholic Charities. So Catholic Charities helps people that are in financial hurting situations. So they maybe need individual or family counseling. Catholic Charities offers that for free. Helps parents that are looking to help counsel their children or someone who maybe is struggling with an unplanned pregnancy or other counseling service with, with depression or suicidal thoughts, Catholic Charities is here for that. It also helps with different things that we have in our diocese for our youth, like Catholic youth expeditions, our Steubenville trips, our um, Camp Tekawitha in Shano helps provide an outlet for our children to encounter Jesus. And also goes towards different things, and it doesn't, it doesn't go towards like the bishop's salary. It doesn't go towards things like that. And also, it doesn't go towards any legal settlements. It doesn't help pay for lawyers or anything like that. But it does go towards helping train our teachers, helping train our catechists, helping train anybody that's involved in parish work. And we haven't seen any more training in the past two to three years than we've seen. And we're trying to really amp it up because our world's becoming so much more secular. And again, your, your gift will only be used in the Diocese of Green Bay. 
And our numbers last year, Father Matt went through the numbers with me, and only 30% of our, of our parish parishioners gave anything. So I, hopefully we can think, am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem? And I myself will be giving half of what Father Matt will be giving to each parish. So I will be giving $250 to each parish to put my money where my mouth is. But also to know that if we, each person gave at least $55, that's roughly a dollar and two cents a week, we would hit our goal. And any money we give over our amounts that are asked of us to give, we get half that back. And if we don't give it, if we don't meet that mark, it comes out of our parish bank account. So St. John's this year is asked to give $38,151. St. Marian Hyacinth is asked to give $25,736. And St. Wenceslaus, for those of you who are prisoners there, is asked to give $14,764. And I'm looking forward to blowing those numbers out the water this year. Because I believe that we want to be a part of the solution because we can't keep having happen what's happening in our diocese as far as people not knowing the immensity of options they have to become faithful, lifelong missionary disciples. So there's your bishop's appeal. Talked about love and maturity. Last thing I want to talk about is what happened in the state of New York last week. I'm sorry, it was actually two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. There was a law passed on January 22nd called the Reproductive Health Care Act, hidden in there. And they passed a law, unfortunately, by a man who claims to be Catholic, that third trimester abortions are okay, and even to this radical extent that if the baby is born, they can let it sit on the table, and the doctor and the mother can, dis- can discuss whether they want to keep it alive or not. To say, don't resuscitate it. It's not even a human until I say it is. We heard in our first reading, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And if this law doesn't make you sick, we have the most aggressive abortion laws in the world in the United States that are pro-abortion. And most people who, who don't know what to do, they don't know about things like Catholic charities. They don't know things about how our bishop's appeal helps people make well-informed decisions because we can find a heartbeat. We can find a heartbeat, science can prove it, between 9 and 12 days. It's a baby, right? And now we're going so aggressive. And one of the political parties is making a movement in the next year and a half, two years, to remove in God we trust from all of our money, from all of our government things. And when someone takes an oath, they want to remove the words, so help me God. If we're not aware that our country is becoming more and more secular, more and more anti-Christian, I don't know if you're living in la-la land or not. So the question is, what do we do to say that's enough? We don't stand for that kind of action towards the most vulnerable in the world. Because a lot of people make these excuses well, what about the woman's rights for her body? And I get that. But what if the child born is a woman? What about her rights? And what about the statistics that say that it promotes PTSD and depression and suicidal thoughts? Do we want people to deal with that? 
Hopefully our answer is no. And we are deeply saddened by the state of our country that is promoting this disgusting type of laws and actually cheering it on. So what do we do? Men and women of God, we pray. My challenge to you this week, and I've given this challenge out before, is to pray at least once a day the St. Michael prayer. Because if you're not aware that we're at war with sin, interiorly, we all have our own demons, and in this world, again, I don't know if you're living in la-la land or not. But the Lord gives us spiritual armor in our prayer, so I want you to turn to the back cover of your heritage missile and pray the St. Michael prayer with me. Let us pray for an end to this nonsense, for respect to dignity of human life, so that men may become men, women may become women, and we may know that all of us are made in the image and likeness of God. And before we were, we were born, God knew us. Before we were in the womb, God knew us. Because he loves us unconditionally. As we all pray, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. We are protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke you, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, all evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking ruined souls. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.